by the time you hear this podcast, hopefully you'll understand, in order to make a dream come true, well, it takes two. Welcome to By the Time You Hear This Podcast, and I'm kind of loud. Uh, welcome to By the Time You Hear This Podcast. I'm Greg. I'm Ben. And it's just us two on this episode. Uh, episode 48. Just us. Mm-hmm. I hope that's enough. <laughs> Thank you to everyone who has been listening and who has been downloading. We definitely appreciate it. Um, as we celebrate Independence Day Eve. That's a, that's one way of looking at it. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Um, <laughs> so uh, to everyone who has been downloading, of course, uh, listening, thank you very much. Yes, and thank you, thank you. Thank you. If you want to tell someone about where we can be found, then you can uh, visit us in a variety of ways. One is our website. By the time you hear this, dot com. Okay. <laughs> they can't lose for that, can they? I hope not. Okay. Good. Good. <laughs> uh, so you can visit our website there. We post all the episodes, uh, links to articles and videos from the topics that we talk about. We also can be found on Podomatic, Apple Podcast, otherwise known as iTunes, uh, Google Play, Google Play Music. So it'll be yeah. through the music app. Yeah, that and that took me a while to find anything for a while. So I'm glad you did clear that because I yeah. looked for a long time. I, f- I was able to do it on my computer, but not on my phone because I have an iPhone and I couldn't get the Google Music app. Like, well, not to play podcast. I can okay. play music, but not podcast. That's weird. Okay. But so if you have an Android phone, you can play podcast through the Google Play Music app. Um, and if you're just trying to, you know, split the difference, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you can find us on Satchel Podcast Player which will showcase the podcasts that are being recorded in your area and, of course, around the world. Um, CastBox, mm-hmm. which is any podcast ever made, it yeah, seems like you can find them there. Um, and also, um, I feel like I forgot one. Tune in. Tune in. Tune in. 
and um, I'm going back to my notes because I'm cheating. <laughs> uh, and also another one, and I'll include this in the show descriptions. I found another app that if people like to use it, Overcast. Okay. Um, it's kind of it's similar to Castbox as far as we didn't have to do anything to get it put on there. It's just there. <laughs> it just showed up. So uh, the Overcast app you can also use to uh, stream our podcast. <clears throat> All right. And uh, if you want to visit us on social media, we're at Facebook.com slash by the time you hear this spelled with the word you same spelling as the website. But if you want to visit us on the fancy social media, that would be by the time you hear this at by the time you hear this on Instagram spelled with the letter U because we're upstanding. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that it, that spelling, the upstanding spelling <laughs> <laughs> Is uh, spelling you would use if you want to email us at by the time you hear this at gmail.com. You can send us your questions, comments. If you're an independent artist and you would like for us to play your music and talk about it and promote it, we will do that. No charge. No payola here. <laughs> no payola. No payola here. Um, and uh, yeah, so um, that's how you can find us. And again, thank you for listening. Let's get into the show. Of course, we talk about music news first. So, um, yeah, we well, we talked about before with uh, Drake's One Dance being the first song to pass a billion streams on Spotify. But there have been three since then. (laughs) Uh, Crazy, right? So what are the three since then that have passed a billion streams? Because there's the fourth one just happened, right? Yeah, the fourth one just happened. So. Starting with the first one, of course, was One Dance, which is now up to uh, 1.2 billion streams. So it's like 1,254,000,000 million streams. Yeah. Shape of You was the second one that has uh, 1,072,000,000 streams. Uh, closer by the, uh, the Nickelback of EDM. <laughs> Speaking of which, Nickelback did release something recently, and it sounds just like everything else they've released so you know uh with them. um as of right now uh shape of you is at 1 billion 93 million streams so all of you out there listening keep on keep on streaming <laughs> and with one dance let me check on that real quick um it is at 1.25 billion and wow. it's actually only the third most popular song uh, by Drake on Spotify so far this week. <laughs> so closer by the Chainsmokers is at one point forty billion, uh, one billion forty million basically. Um, and then so the fourth to cross um, to join into the billion club is Lean On, um, which I really feel like it should have been there. Like Lean On was very international, so it kind of surprises yeah. me that that just happened. Um, but Lean On now has just crossed over with 1,329,281 streams. This was six days ago, so I imagine it's higher now. It is at 1 billion, 3 million, okay. 1.003 okay. billion streams. A lot of streams. Um, so, yeah, I guess it's happening a lot more now. Um, up next, really, it looks like Sorry by Justin Bieber might be the next. Um with 937 million streams and then if that doesn't make it then his other song love yourself is at 897 million streams so um justin bieber will likely be the next person in the billion club on spotify 
man, it's uh, he's having a great year, comeback. year and a half so yeah. far. I mean, this is his comeback. Like he was, you know, the D bag that nobody liked. Yeah, and he came out with an album that was so R and B that no one knows about that it. That no one knows about it. Yeah. <laughs> Except for the people who worked on it. They know about it. <laughs> um and then he just comes back with what I guess you could consider a modern day pop classic, really. I mean, like everyone likes it. It didn't sweep any type of awards, but I mean like nowadays It was it was it was it was up there it was being nominated. It was nominated like it was nominated yeah. for album of the year. Yeah. Right? So yeah. But I don't think yeah. I don't think people care as much about those awards as maybe they used to. I think they're more so like, how well am I selling? How popular am I? Yeah. And he's really popular. Like he has, and like the album's not bad either. Like it's not like he came back with an album that was like crappy and it sold. Like he came back with an album that was pretty good and it sold. Yeah. So, um, man, it's going to be interesting. Like what it, if both songs, like okay, right now, love yourself. At nine hundred million, mm-hmm. sorry is at nine hundred and forty million. Mm. What do you mean is at eight hundred and twenty-eight million? <laughs> uh, what if all three of those songs pass a billion by the end of the year? That'd be insane. Like that'd be. <laughs> um. Yeah, That's I the think power of Justin Bieber, man. Like we could probably just have our like our Spotify champions awards. And that, just... that would be pretty cool. Like the hall of fame, like imagine if Spotify ran like a uh, total request live and you just re- like, you gotta, re- you gotta retire. At a dance. billion views. You have to retire. <laughs> like you have to take the song off of Spotify <laughs> or, or you can't just stream it. You have to buy it. <laughs> Actually, that would probably make a lot of people mad. <laughs> they probably stopped you know, listening. 99 cents. They stopped listening. They'd be like, I don't want it to get to a billion. <laughs> I'll just go to YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of potentially pirating music. Uh... <laughs> no, so it's funny that you mentioned that because people are like coming out and saying they're admitting they pirated this album. Yeah, I mean, well, when you when you get shut out, when you feel like you get shut out mm-hmm. of something, when you make something exclusive. People, if you're if you're already going to if you're already part of the the club. Yeah. Hey, that's great. We get it first. Yeah. But then the people on the outside are like, what, what makes them so special? Yeah. I, I've been down with you since reasonable doubt. Like, what is this? I remember you when, when you rapped fast. Yeah. And you wanted to be like common. You were, oh man. Yeah. Lee did five mil. I've been rapping like common since. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, when people like knew of jazz O before you or mm-hmm. whatever, you know, but and of course, uh, we're talking about Jay Z. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, four forty four came out June thirtieth, and um, it's exclusive on title. Yeah. And by the end of this week, it will be also on Apple Music. Yeah. But for those who are on Spotify, uh, he has taken most of his material off of there, which kills me because it's bigger than title. Yeah. Like Spotify is the biggest streaming service, and you're not on it. Oh, and also with the with the the title exclusive, if you have Sprint, <laughs> I need to figure out how to work this because I have Sprint. I, f- I haven't figured out how to work. Uh, well, it maybe yet. you had to have Sprint and Title. So someone was telling me that you can get Title for six months for free if you're a Sprint customer. But even that doesn't really seem worth it. Like, I just I don't want to. <laughs> someone told me they got Title and you have to pay in advance. 
Like, you have to pay for six months in advance. You can't just get it monthly. Yeah, he had to pay 60 bucks for, well, 50 bucks for six months. Man. Yeah, that's what I said. I was like, that, nah, man. no thanks. I don't want title that You can bad. get out of here with that. Um, so, uh, yeah, so Jay-Z's album is out. Um, Snoop Dogg has admitted to pirating the album. Um, that's just funny to me. That's funny. Someone at my meeting on Friday was like, hey, man, I got a free link to the Jay-Z album if you want it. Uh, also, I, I saw that on, um, uh, if anyone follows the blog Black Sports Online, uh, he had links okay. <laughs> for the, to download the album. So, um yeah, and this was through Complex that he uh, that he stated this, trying to get a quote from him or something like that. But um, let's see if there's anything that he said specifically. Oh, he said, uh, "I want to shoot out a shout out to Jay Z. Just dropped another motherfucking hot album. <laughs> but you know what? I don't got title, so a nigga had to bootleg it to me." Oh God. <laughs> He says, I'm on iTunes and shit. I don't understand this. Y'all got to explain this to me. I went to iTunes looking for his album. I couldn't find it, but my homie sent it to me. So, wow. um, that's hilarious. I'm sorry. That's so funny. <laughs> straight up admitted it. Just like, yeah, whatever. You're worth $810 million, Jay-Z. No one's going to think twice about stealing from you, man. And that kind of sucks, but, you know, yeah, that's... That's the way it goes right now. <laughs> so, um, congratulations to Jay-Z on yeah. the successful release. Um, but he is losing a an artist yeah. who had their music on title. Ben, mm-hmm. what do you have on that? Kanye West has terminated his contract with the title. This has been reported by TMZ. He claims that they owe him upwards of $3 million. And is it $3 million is in, and they're in breach of contract. So... Um, but I also hear um, that um, title is they're, they're threatening to sue him if he leaves. So I, I don't know how that's going to work. Um, you know, it says here West was one of the first artists to join the streaming service in 2015. Of course, Life of Pablo was re- originally released as a title exclusive, which I feel like that the release of that album was handled so poorly because like he it kept being released in snippets. And then finally, the whole thing was released. But then like they kept like releasing new versions of it. With yeah. remastered tracks. It was it was really weird. Um but it says he claims that he brought one and a half million new subscribers to title, a number that was apparently supposed to come in a bonus check. Um West also says that Title went back on a promise of additional money for exclusive music videos, which Title reportedly says Kanye never produced. I mean, who knows what's gonna happen here? Who knows who's in the wrong? My guess is maybe they just they just give him the money, he'll be okay. <laughs> um but he I mean, might need it if he's getting a third kid. Third kid's on the way. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know how much he's worth, but he he puts up a lot of his own money for his own stuff. So, I mean, who, who knows how much he has? But I mean, if they owed me three million dollars, I'd be a little upset too. Granted, yeah. I've never made that much money, so <laughs> it'd be a different type of upset. But I can still understand how he's upset. He wants his money. So, all right. Um, uh, along with that. Uh, title jumped to number one in the Apple's App Store on Friday and Saturday. All bit probably based on free subscriptions. Yeah. <laughs> free trial. <laughs> uh, with the album being released early Friday. And this was um, 
they couldn't hear it uh, unless they were they couldn't hear 444 unless they were already subscribers or were Sprint customers. And the service loosened the policy on that, saying the album would be available even for customers who signed up for the free 30 day trial. Oh, wow. Okay, I'm surprised they did that. So, um, the album, the new album, the new album is also now available to all new title users, even those who just did the trial. And the, according to Aptopia, who tracks these things, <laughs> uh, like title that. had the most downloads on a single day in the last year. Oh, wow. Jay-Z still got fans. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, the last time title topped the app downloading charts was on February 14th, 2016, when Kanye West, The Life of Pablo, landed for its exclusive time on title. Well, I think it's funny that, um, and I'll look to see if this happens again, but when that happened, when it was released, and of course, you know, the people signed up for the free trial, there were PSAs, public service announcements on Reddit. Hey guys, it's been, it's almost been 30 days, don't forget to cancel your trial. (laughs) (laughs) Um, To make sure that people didn't download it. So, like, this is when like Kendra's brother-in-law has title. So like whenever they come down and they're streaming um, to my Chromecast, they're streaming title. And I don't notice the difference in the sound, even though it says high quality. I don't notice a difference. Well, yeah, there's the, if he, if it's the high quality, that's the one that's $20 a month. The standard is the $10 a month. Yeah. It said like HFQ or something like that. And I'm just like, I don't know. Oh, that tells me high, high fidelity. I'm like, I don't notice a difference. Um, but you know, hopefully they're not paying 20 bucks a month. I think you might get a discount if you're a Sprint customer. I don't know. Uh, well, it just says on here that, uh, Sprint's 45 million subscribers, all of whom get a free six month pass to title service. Um, so maybe I'll try it. And it says at 3 million subscribers, this is title title has 3 million subscribers. Dwarfed, they are dwarfed by Spotify. It was at fifty million God. worldwide. Apple Music at twenty-seven million. Like, why would you, why would you want to go anywhere else? But I mean, he has a stake in the company, so I get it. But like, looking at those numbers, I wouldn't even look at title. Like, I'd be like, nah, we're good. Like, I'm gonna go somewhere. Like, at least go to Apple Music. Like, that's <laughs> pathetic. Three million. Yeah, and half of those were claimed to be brought by Kanye. There's <laughs> probably three million like people who still have it. They didn't cancel after 30 days. <laughs> They're like, you know what? I'm going to stick with this title thing. <laughs> see it through. Um, we'll, uh, yeah. So we'll see what happens with that. All right. Let's get you updated on the charts. Uh, number one is still Despacito. I have still had not, I still have not heard this song in its entirety. You're not, you're not missing much. <laughs> Especially the new version with the remix with, um, with with uh, Justin Bieber, all he's doing is singing in English, like he's not even singing in Spanish. Um, and it's just and he actually sings so despacito means slowly. He's not singing. He's not even singing that. He's still singing slowly, slowly. We need a nickname for Justin Bieber. There uh, was um, the Canadian. I forgot because there was some show, maybe it was the Cleveland show that had it gave him a nickname. <laughs> Back when he was famous for Baby Baby, hmm. they they had a nickname. They had the Canadian something. I won't think about the Canadian shapeshifter. I can't remember. But, like, it was really <laughs> weird. The androgynous Canadian star. I don't know, but it was. Um, 
So the rest of the top 10, uh, number two, I'm the one DJ Khaled featuring Justin Bieber, Quavo, Chance the Rapper and Lil Wayne. That's what I like by Bruno Mars. Wild Thoughts, a.k.a. Maria Maria, <laughs> by DJ Khaled featuring Rihanna and Bryson Tiller. Have you seen the meme about that where the guy is riding in the car with his niece and um, he puts on Maria Maria and the niece goes, oh, wow, they've already got a remix to Wild Thoughts. <laughs> he was like, he, he kicked her out the car. <laughs> well, I did see what it's like. Um, yeah, I saw it was like the same quote, but it had a picture of someone taking off their flip flop and then chasing the I person. Think so, okay, yeah. <laughs> like that was, yeah, I, I heard that for the first time this weekend too, and I was like, they didn't even try. Mm-hmm. They didn't even try. Nope. Um, number five, The Shape of You will shape of you by the most influential artist in black music. Um, yeah, one day we need to talk about that list because that's a real <laughs> list. Yeah. That Sam Smith is also one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's where I got it from. <laughs> uh, number six is Humble. Number seven, Mask Off. Number eight, Congratulations by Post Malone featuring Quavo. Number nine, Something Just Like This by the Nickelback of EDM and Coldplay. And number 10, Stay by Zed and Alicia Cara. So it's funny because I'm looking now. I didn't realize how old that song was. This song's almost 20 years old, Maria Maria. Yeah. 1999. Supernatural came out a long time ago. God, see, now I feel old because they, they're not going to know. Oh, God, I feel so old now. I don't like that. Mm-mm-mm. Okay, I was trying to switch to the Billboard 200, but they're playing an ad for Power, uh, a show I have never watched. I heard this. I heard it's coming back, yeah. Yeah, they, they had their, um, I think they had a new episode last night. Oh, okay. Uh, and it came back the week before. Gotcha. Well, I got it up here. But, uh, yeah, the Billboard 200, okay, it's coming over here. Number one is debuting at number one, Melodrama by Lord. Uh, number two, Pretty Girls Like Trap Music by oh, Two Chains. That's where the hashtag came from. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I keep seeing the, the picture of the house. Yeah, the yeah. for those who live in Atlanta, the house is on Howell Mill Road. Okay. <laughs> and you can go by and take pictures. Uh, someone, I don't know if someone um, smashed in the car. Oh, come on. Why would y'all do that? But, like, the windshield's broken on it, but it wasn't broken before, I'm pretty sure. But, yeah. Um, number three, Damn, Kendrick Lamar. Number four, The Nashville Sound by Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit. Uh, he's been on a few late night shows. I think he was on The Daily Show, and he was on. Um, I think he was on Stephen Colbert okay. uh, promoting the album. Yeah, Number five, uh, as you may have mentioned, Nickelback, Feed, Feed the, the Machine, Machine, debuts at number five. Number six, More Life by Drake. Number seven, Divide by the most influential artist in black music. <laughs> number eight, debuting at number eight, Beautiful Thugger Girls by Young Thug. Number nine, Crack Up by Fleet Foxes debuting at number nine and number 10 24 karat magic hmm. uh katie perry for those who might want to know debuted at number one but then fell to number 13 Ooh. being outside the top 10 as far as the albums go you, you, your album is probably trash <laughs> fell so fast like 24 karat magic still hold on so number hard. 10 but it's been out for a while like divide's been out for a while more life's been out for a while so if if you're still hanging around the top 10 after like six to nine months you're okay 
but it happened so fast. <laughs> Did they like go out and buy a bunch of copies and like we can't do that again, Katie? We can't do it this week. <laughs> we can't buy any more copies. Um, yeah, everyone saw that uh, Bon Appetit video yeah. and um, thought that was enough. Um, and then we have the artist 100, where we still don't know the formula. Because we do have a new number one, and we don't know. Well, we kind of know why, but it's very weird. Um, <clears throat> number one is Bruno Mars on the Artist 100. Um, it may have been boosted by his performance at the BET Awards, perhaps. In which people, it felt like people were like finding out he had another album out, like 24 Karat Magic, that was already out or something. Um, and he was coming off of his very successful world tour in which um, Anderson Pack and the Free Nationals were opening up for him. Oh, hold on. So are you hold on, Let me see where you are real quick. Because there's a thing that tells you go up a little. That tells you how it works. Click on that. It tells you how it works. Oh, OK. So I didn't even see this. There's a tab that shows us how it works for the artist 100. So they have a formula of radio airplay plus sales data plus streaming data and social act social 50 activity. So there is a social 50 uh, chart for them as well. So how people are mentioning them or, or anything like that. So that all factors into it. So it was helped by the BT wars (laughs) performance. (laughs) People probably talking about it, getting on the radio, which he's always on the radio. Yeah. (laughs) Um, He doesn't have anything in the billion club though. Does he streams wise? Uh, let's see well, how he's doing streaming four, wise. So, yeah, yeah there, I, I don't know if he's getting any closer to it. Yeah. Um, let's see what we got. No, nothing's passed over the half billion mark, but he does have six songs that have passed 250 million. Okay. His most played song is 24 Karat Magic, which is at 440 million. And that's what I like is at 431 million. Okay. So he's got a, a billion streams combined. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like he's, yeah. he's like, unlike a lot of people, he's consistently done well his entire career. Yeah. And I think I, I, I take that over a billion streams any day. Like he's done extremely well. He's been very consistent. And I think that's because he's such a good writer. Good writing will never go out of style. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to round out the top 10, number two is Ed Sheeran the most influential artist in black music. <laughs> number three is Lord. She jumped up to, she, she was number 95 last week that she jumped up to number three. Why? Cause she put out an album. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Start talking about it. Number four, Kendrick Lamar. Number five, DJ Khaled, whose album is out now. I believe number six, two chains who was unranked last week. <laughs> uh, number seven, Justin Bieber. Number eight, Imagine Dragons. Number nine, Nickelback, also unranked last week. And rounding out the top ten, Sean Mendez. Hmm. That's weird. I feel like Nickelback will fade into obscurity a little bit later because there's not a single on this record. I mean, they went unranked to number nine, so yeah. they'll probably go back to unranked mm-hmm. <laughs> next week. Uh, so that's the artist 100. Uh, okay, so... We haven't talked about this in a while because there was no new news. But now, now, now there's some new news. Of course, we're talking about the Fire Festival, <laughs> the Fire Festival fiasco. So the co one of the co organizers or co founders, Billy McFarlane, 
it has been um, arrested by the FBI on charges of wire fraud, according to the United States Department of Justice. Uh, he was taken into custody on June 30th in New York City and expect was expected to be presented before a judge this past Saturday. Um, so uh, Manhattan U.S. Attorney, acting Manhattan U.S. Attorney June Kim says, as alleged, William McFarlane promised a life changing music festival would in actuality delivered a disaster. McFarlane allegedly presented fake documents to induce investors to put over a million dollars into his company in the fiasco called the Fire Festival. Thanks to the investigative efforts of the FBI, McFarlane will now have to answer for his crimes. A charge of wire fraud can carry a sentence of up to 20 years. This is what happens when you mess with rich kids' money. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. This, uh, this is, yeah. I Somehow I get the feeling if this was like, you know, the fire Festival and it took place in... Harlem. <laughs> Somehow, I don't think. I think they just be like, "Oh, that sucks," but I don't think you know. Got some more news for you. Uh, speaking of rich kids, <clears throat> so that was from the uh, from the thirtieth. So he was presented before a judge, and he was released on bail. Oh yeah, a lot of money for three hundred thousand dollars. If he's as successful as we think he is, and he's probably not, he probably had that in cash. Straight up cash, homie. (laughs) To quote uh, one Mr. Randy Moss. So uh, he is out of jail. And um, I wanted to play a snippet of this video. This is via USA Today. uh, Once the ad ends. (laughs) But they are talking a little bit about it. Let's see if we get any more details. Fire Festival organizer Billy McFarlane is still facing wire fraud charges, but on Saturday he was released on $300,000 bail. The man behind the festival, which one attendee dubbed a complete disaster, was arrested on Friday. The next day, McFarlane appeared in court with a public defender, not a private attorney, even though he lived a life of luxury, according to the New York Times. He reportedly spent $21,000 a month for a penthouse in New York City and drove a Maserati worth more than hundred grand. The charges McFarland faces allegedly involve his company, Fire Media, tricking investors and presenting information that was not actually true. What was supposed to be a luxurious festival promoted on the company's Facebook page appeared to be the exact opposite. Many who attended said the restrooms did not work and tents contained stripped mattresses. So, So, yeah, he's broke. That's what I was reading here. He was broke and told the he said he couldn't afford an attorney. So what what the hell is he doing? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's tragic, but Hey, this is, um, he'll be fine. So this is what happens, man. <laughs> well, actually, well, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if he's going to be, yeah, he's going to jail. If he couldn't afford a lawyer, mm-hmm. like normally if you get a lawyer, at the beginning, yeah, you might be able to pull something off. But when you have to walk in there, when you're arrested by the FBI, if you have to walk in there with a public defender, oh, you are you are done. I, I wish I could cue, I had a soundboard to cue the effect from um, the distinguished gentleman. You can do better than that. This man's <laughs> going to jail. <laughs> if I could cue that, that's all. 
I might watch that later. <laughs> Dick is good. That's all I did. Like, I'm just thinking, like, this man's going to jail. Very underrated. Oh, Eddie Murphy yeah. film. <laughs> Very underrated. Seen that, you need to watch The Distinguished Gentleman. I told a few people at work about it. <laughs> they probably won't watch it, but yeah, that's a funny movie. Um, Thomas Jefferson was his name, right? Thomas Jefferson Johnson. Je- okay. But the in the movie, he um, the the congressman in his area who died, named, his name was Jeff Johnson. Okay. He went by Thomas Johnson. Yeah. But he, he changed, but his middle name was Jefferson. Yeah. So it's like, cut off the Jefferson. <laughs> Jeff Johnson. So people thought they were voting for someone who was already there. <laughs> is that on, I'm trying to see if that's on any, any streaming services. This is, that is a very underrated movie. I didn't know it was underrated. I didn't know people, it wasn't very popular. Like, when you think Eddie Murphy, you're probably thinking Coming to America, mm-hmm. the, the Nutty Professor. Um, yeah. To a degree, Shrek, maybe. Yeah, maybe Shrek. I haven't seen Trading Places. And maybe Dreamgirls. Yeah. But... Trading Places and The Distinguished Gentleman mm-hmm. and probably The Golden Child even though The Golden Child like has their look it was the CGI but in the 80s so it's not going to be that sophisticated but um, there are a lot of like quotable lines from that one too mm-hmm. but um, other than that with this uh, back to this um, Billy McFarlane character he's 25 years old um and yeah, I didn't realize he was that young. Yeah. Um, no word here that it doesn't show anything about if Ja Rule is going to be involved. He'll probably be called to testify, though, if if it comes to that. But, um, yeah, it looks bad for McFarlane. Looks pretty bad. <laughs> he, walked, he walked in there with the public defender. Yeah. You're, you're done. Um, so... Um, what else do we have? I feel like we had one more thing. Uh, oh, we, yeah. Uh, Kendrick Lamar's album. Ah, uh, yes. Did I close this? So, yeah, basically, at Chart Sound, let me find it again. So, Kendrick Lamar's Damn, period. <laughs> <laughs> Is now the best-selling album of 2017 so far. This was reported by uh, Chart Date on Twitter. Um, uh, beat out, uh, which I, th- I figured honestly, more life. But maybe we're getting Drake fatigue. I don't know, but I figured more life just because he's been for the past few years. He's been like the hottest thing in pop music. Like, like not just rap. I mean, like Drake has kind of transcended being a rapper. He is now a pop artist. Hmm. Um, and he is being outsold by Kendrick Lamar's um, album, which I honestly feel is his most commercial, his most radio-friendly album. Um, like DNA is is pretty is catchy, humble is catchy. Like all of these, of course, who did he went to the South to get them producers? But anyway, yeah. I digress. Mm-hmm. I digress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> South has something to say. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, but yeah, like his most commercially accessible album I mean I guess this is kind of like this is what I can do when I get on your level (laughs) Um, has he reached um, you know J. Cole level so where he can do it with no features I don't know yet I don't know we'll see we'll see can anyone reach J. Cole's level (laughs) is that a level that you want to reach though well I mean if he can if he can outsell Drake 
pulling the J. Cole, then I'm like, okay. See, that's saying something right there. Then it's just like, okay, okay. I, I mean, see. I think anybody can be, can do J. Cole, can be the J. Cole level. Can, can, yeah. They can do that. But to went, outsell yeah. someone like a Drake. But he went double with, platinum with no features, right? <laughs> that Look, in today's music buying climate, that is an accomplishment. Yeah. But can he outsell Drake? But can you outsell Drake with no features? doing no features? Uh, that's that's a tough task. Only time will tell. <laughs> um, so it's the best selling album of the year so, so far. So far, which I mean, we're in we're in July, so there's still time. Um, I don't know who else is going to release anything though. That's going to really. I mean, if we haven't, if I feel like if we haven't heard that. Um, that divide has beat it yet we're not well divide came out at the end of last year didn't it so i don't know if that counts um i don't know when did divide come out because he's the he's the only other person i would think of right now um no it came out this year so if he's beating yeah so he's beat all the heavy hitters he's beat he's beating bruno mars he's beating ed sheeran he's divide came out on march 3rd um so yeah, if he's if he's beating them, then he's he's doing very well. And he damn came out on April fourteenth. Yeah. So he has a month. He was a month later than Ed Sheeran, and then More Life uh, was March eighteenth. So he he has a bit, about a month ahead on Drake. Yeah. So very um very impressive but mm-hmm. i guess we have do we do we need do we need him to do a, a j cole type album with no features and see if it wants i mean <laughs> is it necessary if he ever did that i don't think he'd do it on purpose i don't think he'd be like oh, i was trying to make a j cole j coleian effort um <laughs> <laughs> no features i think he'd just probably do it just because maybe it was a really personal album to him that's how i could see him do it because no two albums by kendrick lamar have been the same if i if i can just say that like Section Eight, Good Kid, Mad City, um, uh, to Pimp a Butterfly, and now, damn, none of them have really been the same. They've all they've just been, been different. different. Yeah, they've been different yeah. styles. With you know, Good Kid, Mad City being the concept album, to Pimp a Butterfly being to me the socially conscious album, and now, damn, it's just like I want to make a pop record. I want to like it's like he did what Liz Fair did. Only he didn't have to sell out to do it. Like he didn't have no. to compromise his morals to do it. You know, he was able to still make music that I'm, I'm going to assume that he stands by. Whereas Liz Ferris was like, "Yeah, I did it for a check." <laughs> he was like, "I did it for a check, and I still feel good about myself." He's like, "I can." Yeah, I mean, I, and you don't want. I think you don't want to use that word as far as being a hip hop artist, no. as far as selling out. You don't want to use that term. You don't, even if you really did it and you admit it to yourself, you don't want to say that out loud in your darkest places in your quiet yeah. room. Like, oh, that check was big. That check was big. <laughs> you get out there and you talk about syrup sandwiches, man. You get out there and you rap hard. <laughs> Um, okay, so what uh, the last thing we can go over is the BET Awards. That's why Bruno Mars is number one on the Artist 100. Uh, his performance. Um, what did he perform? Do you know? I know he performed Perm. Yeah, that's the only song he did. Okay. He did Perm. Um, but uh, we'll see what, what the awards that came out here. So Album of the Year went to Lemonade. That they, yeah. yeah well. uh, I don't think she showed up for it for the awards um she never does well no she was there last year was she yeah 
but um, no, I don't, I don't think she was there this time. Um, video of the year was Beyonce for Sorry and Bruno Mars for 24 Karat Magic. It was a tie. Mm. The Coca-Cola Viewer's Choice Award the hell is, that? is determined by the fans. Um, so the fans picked the video, and that went to Beyonce for Sorry. Best New Artist went to Chance the Rapper. Okay. Uh, beating out the likes of 21 Savage, Cardi B, Khalid, and Young M.A. Some of these, really, man. <laughs> 21 Savage, man. Uh, best female R&B pop artist went to Beyonce. Best male R&B pop artist went to Bruno Mars. Best female hip hop artist went to Remy Ma. Sheether. <laughs> uh, best male hip hop artist went to Kendrick Lamar. Best duo or group went to Migos. You, you, you've seen the video, right? Yeah. Them and Joe Budden. Hilarious. <laughs> um, yeah, Joe Budden is, he's hes the old man. He dropped that mic and just walked off. like. Yeah, he, and then they stood up in sync. <laughs> That's my favorite part. Um, <laughs> if you see, there's someone made a video. Uh, it's called the Mighty Morphin Power Migos or something like that. Yeah, I saw the GIF where there's like, they were like, and they show the Power Rangers doing their formations. Oh no! Oh, no this goes further. No, well, no, it was a. Um, I can't remember the guy's name. I think it's like Melvin Gregg, something like that. Uh, but he made a video to where him and the two other guys they were they were dressed as Migos, <laughs> but they, <laughs> and uh, someone was getting beat up, and they walked the boat up, and they were dressed like like how they were at the BET. <laughs> Those outfits were ridiculous, by the way. <laughs> but they started like. Um, like sliding out of the way and and like slithering when somebody tried to hit him. Like one guy, he was gonna he was gonna throw him to a fence, but instead of like hitting the fence, he went like between the bars of the fence. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think I think it was called like Mighty Mighty Morphin Power Migos or something. That's like hilarious. <laughs> Mighty Morphin Migos, something like that. Um, best collaboration. Uh, it's a tie. Uh, Chance the Rapper featuring 2 Chains and Lil Wayne, no problem. And Migos featuring Lil Uzi Vert for Bad and Bougie. Best, the, excuse me, the BET-centric award. What is that even, what is that? Uh, recognizes neo-soul and or traditional R&B artist. Why can't they call the neo-soul, like the centric award, that sounds Well, it's named after the BET sister channel, Centric. Oh, okay, that, was, that sounds so pretentious. Like I won the BET Centric Award because I'm eccentric. Like, <laughs> and that went to Solange for Cranes in the Sky, which is a extra album. But okay. <laughs> um, video director of the year. I, okay, I didn't know they were still doing this. Me either. Um, uh, Khalil Joseph and Beyonce for Sorry. Mm-hmm. I see Hype Williams on here still. He's still getting work. That's All he good. has to do is I haven't even seen this video. Tyga featured designer for Gucci Snakes. I haven't seen this video, but that is that that is what Hype Williams. That is what you are now. Yeah, that is what you are. Directed videos for Tyga. Oh, he tr- he tried movies. It just didn't work, man. It just didn't. He work. got one shot at a movie, and people actually still like it. What belly? Right? Belly. Yeah, I still haven't seen it. I don't know if I want to. And then you got Benny Boom on here too. 
oh snap I didn't know they had this Dr. Bobby Jones best gospel <laughs> oh, oh that went to Lecrae oh, that's the rapper got the gospel inspiration award <laughs> that's awesome um, is, he, is he still is he alive or no Dr. Bobby Jones I don't know I think so we're bad black people. We don't, oh my god! We don't know this stuff. <laughs> I just remember every Sunday morning, Bobby Jones' gospel was on. I think he's still with us. Well, it says doctor, so he didn't done some educating. Um, yeah, he still. It says is, so he is alive. Okay, he's still with us, still in the league. Oh, he's seventy-seven. <laughs> okay. All right. I don't know. I thought he'd be ninety. <laughs> um, they also so this is the BET Awards. They don't just do music; they do movies and television. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Best Actress went to Taraji P Henson for her work on Empire, of course. Best Actor Mahershala Ali for his work in um, Moonlight and Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. Um, Best Movie went to Hidden Fences. Just kidding. Hidden Figures. <laughs> Hidden. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Get Out was nominated, like, I, but I like that. Moonlight, Fences, and Birth of a Nation came out last year, and Hidden Figures. How was Get? How'd you put? Why'd they put Get Out in the category when it came out this year? Who knows? We got to see. I guess what the what the cutoff is. They probably have a weird cutoff because <laughs> it's in the middle of the year, so it's probably a yeah. very weird cutoff. Uh, sports Woman of the Year, Serena Williams. So they do sports as well. Sports Man of the Year, Stephen Ooh. Curry. Ooh. Uh, best International Act, Stormzy. Don't know who that is, but also nominated Lloyd Banks, a.k.a. Craig, Craig. David. <laughs> <laughs> Emily Sunday, she's Scottish? She is Scottish. I did not know that. And the Best International Act, well, that was the Best Show Act from Europe. Best International Act from Africa is Wizkid, who was featured on Drake's One Dance. Mm-hmm. Um... And the International Viewer's Choice Award went to Ray Vanny from Tanzania. Don't know who that is, but congratulations. Yeah, man. <laughs> um, also, the Lifetime Achievement Award went to New Edition, in which they had their uh, miniseries counterparts oh, they did. perform with them. It was the, oh, the wow. six members and then the the older members from so that's the who that was, and then the younger members i saw like so many people on stage yeah. i was like it's the new edition army <laughs> <laughs> didn't know what's going on okay that's pretty dope okay uh chance the rapper received the humanitarian award and the global good power award went to yvonne shaka shaka um who is a south african singer songwriter entrepreneur humanitarian teacher um she is uh, well, a popular musician from South Africa who has been uh, is probably looks to be one of their biggest pop artists mm-hmm. from the last couple of decades. So there you go. Also has the distinction of being the first black child to appear on South African television. Huh. So she was there when it was rough. Yeah. <laughs> it was really the rough. Apartheid days, man. Yeah. All right. So congratulations to all the winners. Um, and apparently Leslie Jones did a good job hosting. Who's uh, Leslie Jones again? Is he the guy who was in the um who was a in, woman? Never mind. She I was on S N L, the tall black lady. Who was what's the name of the guy then who sung in Hamilton? That's Lynn Manuel Miranda. No, I'm thinking of someone else then. There was another guy who sung at um the US Open when it was up in Flushing. He performed with uh 
David Diggs? Or no, uh, that's... Uh, He's in the American Family Insurance commercial, too. I know who you're talking about. I can't think of his name. Uh, Leslie Odom Jr. <laughs> okay, but his name is Leslie. <laughs> yes. Okay. I knew that. Okay, okay. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that will do it for our music news uh, segment. Sponsored by Nobody. Um <laughs> Go pick up nobody today at your local Walmart. (laughs) Uh, So, Ben, what is your earworm of the week? All right. Um, The group is called Hey Monday. Um, The song is called Mr. Pushover. Um, They're they're. I mean, it's it's bubblegum pop. They were one of those bands when uh, Paramore got big. You know, there's a slew of um, of young females that wanted to be like Haley Williams that. Mm. Um, form bands, you know, and this was one of them. Um, she actually went on to be on The Voice. I think she like got like second or third or whatever. She released a record. It's not very good. Like she went from doing this type of music to doing like pop country type music. It's very weird. Um, but yeah, I love this song. Um, I, I like this band. Period. I think that's the first time I saw them was at a bowling alley. <laughs> On TV, I didn't know who they were. I thought the lead singer was Asian. I was wrong. <laughs> I was so wrong. All right. So this is Mr. Pushover by Hey Monday from their EP Beneath It All. And we will be right back. That is Mr. Pushover by Hey Monday from their EP Beneath It All, which is from 2010. Yeah, they're they're old. She's like 27 now. <laughs> All 
right? Then you can find that on our BTT YHT Airworms playlist, which is on Spotify sponsors, and it's available right now to listen to. All right. So, um, let's just get into our, our main topic. I know I've left the indie artist behind, it feels like, but <laughs> we'll get back to it eventually. eventually. Uh, so, we started the, the podcast with the song It Takes Two by Marvin Gaye and Kim Weston. I know some of y'all are thinking, oh, Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell. No, no. not not this time. <laughs> and she probably doesn't like that, that you don't know it's her. It's like, everyone thinks, I, I am not Tammy Terrell. <laughs> I can just imagine that. Um, so yeah, Marvin Gaye and Kim Weston, It Takes Two. There's also a cover of it by Otis Redding and Carla Thomas. Um, in which someone was too far away from the mic. <laughs> but with that song, uh, we want to talk about the duets. Um, what makes a great duet? Uh, what can cause it to be a disastrous duet? <laughs> um, what kind of factors into it? You know, should uh, what makes what makes it a good idea for certain artists to work together and their voices will will mesh together? And to ultimately create a good song, um, we are kind of, well, probably as of right now, still building the uh, duets playlist. It'll be um, pretty extensive, but it will uh, just to give you an idea of of what we think are good and bad mm-hmm. <laughs> duets. Um, well, I'll ask you this, Ben. Like, what's the first thing? It doesn't have to be necessarily the most important thing, but mm-hmm. as far as making a good duet what is what is one thing that that has to happen for me the voices don't necessarily have to um be alike so to speak but the the two singers have to be able to sing well together um and i like to hear harmonies i love to hear some nice harmonies so not just like i know in a lot of the a lot of R&B duets I've heard, like some of them that came out in like the late 2000s, late, early 2000s, late 90s, you just had two people singing and they don't har- they don't harmonize or anything. The chorus, they just sing one verse, the other sings the other verse. There's like, you know, background vocals singing the chorus while they just like ad lib over it. That's not a good duet. Like that's annoying. I want to hear some like really nice some really nice harmonies, two-part harmonies. Uh, I mean, like if you're if you're putting a, a duet together, it's typically two really good singers. Typically, you know. So like, let them let them play off of each other. Let them do some stuff together. Like that's to me what makes a really good duet. Okay, um, I think with me, the um, but well, I, I agree with you to where the voices don't necessarily have to sound the same, but I do think they have to complement each other in some yeah. way. Um, they can be two different styles. You can come from two g- different genres, but one has to complement the other, uh, into which the it, they have to fit. Mm-hmm. There has to be some kind of fit vocally. Um, harmonies, I'm not so hung up on, uh, but uh, I mean, I understand your perspective there. Uh, I'm just not so hung up on it as far <laughs> as like okay, as long as they. If they sing together, that it sounds good. Yeah. 
to where, you know, even if they, they both have their own distinctive voices, they're not once drowning out the other or mm-hmm. once clearly overpowering yeah. the other, which I'm always, uh, uh, always think I'm going to run into, but <laughs> that's not always the case. Um, some interesting duets that I always feel like, like I felt like I want to, like, like I said, I'm interested in the stories of these songs, mm-hmm. like with the song, like, uh, when you believe, uh, Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what's the, uh, what was the story behind? Like, okay, let's get Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey, two of the biggest pop stars at the moment, to do this song together. <laughs> and they probably wanted to do the song by themselves. So, uh, yeah, I could only imagine. Um, and yeah, you're right. Like, they're both divas. They're both, they, I mean, like, their voices are very powerful. Why would I do a song with you? Like, <laughs> I can carry this song on my own. Yeah. So, uh, uh, or was it the story of like, well, you brought this up as to how some duets are made to where they both recorded the song themselves separately mm-hmm. and then it was just edited together. To where it was made a I duet would, and they just like had to go in there and perform it that way when they did the video or any live performances. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. <laughs> um, how else would you get unless maybe they're able to check their ego at the door but I mean like how else would you get them to do it <laughs> just like this is your song girl no this is your song girl and then the next thing you know it's our song girl <laughs> um, so um, as far as like the um, what what interests you the most as far as duets? So it may not happen every time, but the ones, the duets, the songs you find the most interesting, what kind of sticks out to you with those? Typically a female voice matched, matched with a male voice are the ones that typically stick out the most to me. Um, and then also the, the other thing that sticks out to me is the songwriting. It's typically, it's like the, the and the, we're, and then we're talking more so like the classic duets. They're, um, they're ballads, you know, it's not like, it's very rare that you have like a really fast, upbeat duet. It's typically slowed down, a little bit more meaningful. Like for some, like I'm thinking of like, you know, um, Up Where We Belong, you know, the Joe Cocker and, um, who's, who's Jennifer Warren. Jennifer we'll play that one for you. Like that, that, that's like one of those classic, you know, someone sat down at a piano and wrote this and that's, so those sorts of duets really stick out to me. That's the first thing I think of when I think of a duet, a song like that. Maybe there's a piano intro or like a slow guitar intro or something like that. Unlike today's songs where it's like, you know, rather than hearing some sort of instrumental intro, they want like the vocals need to start. Like within the first few seconds, the vocals got to start on here. Like, let's have a nice little or a producer tag. Or a producer tag, you know, like muzzled on a beat. Like, imagine <laughs> who produced this. Imagine hearing that. Oh, then I want to see who produced this. Let's see. This is that'd be so funny. <laughs> oh, you can't, Steve Stuart Levin. So maybe he'd be S Lev or S Levin, S Levin or Slevin maybe. <laughs> Officer in the Gentleman soundtrack. Slevin, Slevin, Slevin. Slevin on that beat. Hope, like, I couldn't hear that. <laughs> yeah. um, but that's, I, like, a song like this, 
And like, see here, if you listen to this here, like Jennifer Warren's voice is much prettier than Joe Cocker's voice. Yeah. And Joe Cocker has very bluesy, very raspy voice, but it fits. Like, it's just, it works very well. Got the nice little harmonies. And yeah, this was an officer and a gentleman, right? Yeah. Nice, nice. I always think of the scene from um, Family Guy where they sing this song <laughs> together to get um, Peter to cry. <laughs> think of that all the time um so uh interesting with that well there's a story with that song but richard gear was not um it was played at the end of the film Mm -hmm. in which richard gear's character shows up to as zach he shows up at paul's factory wearing his his uniform and he carries her off the floor yeah, it's 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 a cheesy it's a cheesy moment. It's it's, it's a, one of the cheesiest moments in film. Um, but then that song was added, um, and he said he saw he th- he didn't like the scene because he thought it was too sentimental, and the director agreed with him. And but then when they rehearsed it, the extras began to cheer and cry. <laughs> and then when Richard Gere saw the scene later with the music. <laughs> It said it. He said it gave him chills. Word. So it ended up being the right decision. Oh my god! It's still cheesy, guys. <laughs> I've never seen the movie, but I know the song. So it's still cheesy. Um, but yeah, <clears throat> and it's one of those that stands out. And of course, you know, I mentioned the slow songs, and now I'm thinking another movie from the '80s, "Time of My Life." Which is also a really good duet, but it's fast. Bill Medley and <laughs> Jennifer Woods. <laughs> the soundtrack queen. But like it was it's a it's a different song, it's a different feel, but it's still a really good song and it of course has what I prefer, a female voice and a male voice, and nice little harmonies and in the especially in the chorus. Um yeah, I like that song. I know it's unrelated, but do you like the the way that uh, Black IP sampled it? The first time I heard it, I thought it was clever. After that, it was just annoying <laughs> because it didn't go anywhere. Like it just went into like. I, I think if they like tried to like use more of that as part of the song, maybe it would have done something. But then it just went into that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was like fast up tempo dubstep yeah. or whatever. But, but you know what that yeah. reminds me of? So you remember Nate D and the Hound House Dogs or whatever? And how that song they had Hootercock and they just played the chorus to I Went yeah. That Way. That's what I think of. But it's not it's not funny. <laughs> like that was funny. This is just like you, you play the chorus of this song and then we're like, Alright, we're done and you go into whatever, you know, EDM you go that Will I Am was into at the time. That's what I think of. Which was very funny. It's, I can't find their stuff anywhere. Luckily I have it on my like I have it on a computer somewhere, but like that's a funny song. But that's what I think of it. Oh, uh, just to keep it with um, con- a common thing with soundtrack songs from the eighties, if there if there is a way for it to be done, this is parenthesis. I've had oh yes the time of my <laughs> life, <laughs> which is a really weird way to say it. But yeah, it was the eighties, you know. So um, one thing that was weird about the, like I haven't I haven't seen Dirty Dancing. Neither have I. Uh, but the thing that's weird with this, like, wait, does it take place in like the mid sixties? I don't know. This song is so, it's definitely eighties. This song <laughs> is definitely eighties and they dance to this song in like the last scene. Oh, do they really? Like in the, the, the big dance finale, they dance to this song. 
Like, was it supposed to be 60? Oh, I'm yeah, so is. confused. Summer of 63. Wow. 17 years old? She was 17 in the movie? She was 17? That's the joke that they made in Family Guy. Like, I do. I'm her father. Like, she was a kid. <laughs> and how old was he? <laughs> now, I kind of want to go watch this movie to see what happens. Huh. And, yeah, that was Jerry Orbach. Okay. Yeah. Rest in peace, man. I don't understand. I I didn't. Yeah, I I didn't understand the like, like is this supposed to be? Was this spo- song supposed to be made in '63? <laughs> so then, when did the prequel happen? Havana Nights. I think that was in the late '50s because it was supposed to be. Yeah, 1958. Wow. Yeah, it's supposed to take place before the um, the embargo, or what have you. Hmm. All right. So, your duet. What do you define as a good duet, or as um? Well, I know what you said, but like, what are some of your favorites? I guess um, some of my favorites are the ones to where there is, um, I guess, there's some kind of concept with it, mm-hmm. to where the singers are playing off of each other. Nice, nice. Um, even yeah. though, like, <laughs> uh, this is one of those TRL uh, I legends. Think I know what you're about to play. Uh, the boy <laughs> is mine by Brandy and Monica. That um, was a classic duet. Um, that just fit like it just like you had yeah. two hot R and B pop singers at the, t- at the and time. And there was this like I, I don't know if it was fabricated that they didn't really like each other. Oh, really? It was. I, I don't know. Oh, I don't it's... know if that was the case. I feel like I read that somewhere to where they didn't like each other. They were forced <laughs> to do this song. Really? I just thought it was a matter of uh, if Roddy Jerkins is working with Brandy, he's working with Monica. Like, well, why don't we have them do a song together while they're you know, really at the peak of their powers. Monica was much hotter back then. I'm looking at the picture now. <laughs> yeah, moniker, moniker, moniker. <laughs> I remember though, like, there was a lot of hype around this song before it came out. Like, I remember yeah. when they're like, "Oh, there's gonna be a duet between Brandy and uh, Monica," and like, there was like a lot of. It like, was the, the two, the two female artists. This is before, you know, for you young people. This is before Beyonce. Yes. For anything to do with Beyonce, these were the really the top two female R&B pop artists that were the, mm-hmm. the role models for the young black girls and all that. So have them do a song about fighting over a guy, which is weird uh, yeah. in itself that could cause other problems. But, you know, if it was it was this this pop song where they're just going back and forth and, you know, it ended up being their biggest song for, for both of them. Fighting over Mackay Pfeiffer. <laughs> so, no, I, I like this song. Um, but that's really what gets me, like, when I think about it, like, the hype that came around it. Like, I, I remember being, like, excited about finally seeing the video premiere. And just being like, oh my god, Brandy and Monica, Brandy and Monica. Um, and I'm trying to think, like, the last time a duet had that much fervor. Like, where, you know, people were actually anticipating it. I don't think we'll really get that nowadays. Like, not for the no. video per se. Maybe for a song. Like, and that's if it doesn't get leaked. I mean, like in 2017, this song probably gets leaked. <laughs> yeah. Or or released via Twitter, Ugh. which I don't like. That would suck. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, I like those to where the artists are playing off of each other. If there's some kind of story or some kind of conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could say the boy is mine is is an up tempo version of the girl is mine mm-hmm. by Michael Jackson <laughs> and Paul McCartney, uh, which uh, looking back at it, 
Like, why, what girl would be interested possibly in both Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson at the same time? So that would, that kind of brings the question in the Brenda and Monica, you know, like who wins that one? But then in Paul McCartney mm. versus Michael Jackson, who wins that one? <laughs> like, cause at that point, like how old was Paul McCartney? How young was Michael Jackson? I gotta, I gotta look this up. How old was Paul McCartney? Because like that just seems like if there's a woman that's interested in both of you, she's either too young or too old for one of you. Okay, so Paul McCartney was like forty-one. Uh, Michael Jackson was like twenty-three. <laughs> so yeah, like either way, like if she's interested in you, Paul, then she's too old for Michael. If she's interested in Michael. Some would say she's too young for you, but if you're rich and you're famous, she's not too young for you. <laughs> so I, I thought that was weird. It's just like, that's such an odd combination, you know, catchy song, but yeah. Um, but I do like the, uh, like aside from, <laughs> aside from that song in particular, um, the if I had to like make a preference of a Michael Jackson Paul McCartney duet, it would be say 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 most yes. definitely. Um, even though like I had problems with the music video, still I feel like I mentioned this before. I feel like um, like Linda McCartney was in the video. Oh, was okay, she? okay. As uh, part of the traveling circus that they that they were doing, mm-hmm. but like the what looked to look, would look like like Michael's love interest, yeah, was played by Latoya. Ooh, I th- that's what it looked like. Ooh, it, it's no one talks about that video very much, possibly <laughs> because of that. But <clears throat> anyway, um, I love that song though. That, and that was I remember that being a pretty cool video. Yeah, like they they had the clown face and that the okay. vaudeville. Yeah, okay. Yeah, um, Paul McCartney moved around a lot <laughs> in that video. Man, that's crazy. Do people know that Tim? Like nowadays, because I know like when. Um, they did the song uh, four or five seconds, and people are like, "Oh man, it's so great of Kanye to give this old guy a yeah. chance." <laughs> like, did their parents show them like "Say Say Say" and just like, "Yeah, that's him." <laughs> he's yeah, he's doing he's doing Kanye a favor. <laughs> he's worth more than Kanye, people. Yeah. No, he's not. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. he's a billionaire. Yeah, no, he's not. He's not worth more than Jay Z. He's Beyonce. a billionaire, and I'm not even sure he has all of his Beatles music back. I don't know if he has the rights to all of it yet. And that, when that happened, he might not. Have, well, was was Michael still alive? Because if not, he might have still had it. Michael might have still had it. He's Michael still had it. Yeah, okay, then he didn't. And he was still a billionaire, kids. Yeah, like that's 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 actually kind of disgusting. That's crazy. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, with the artists, like, playing off each other, if there's, like, a conversation mm-hmm. uh, going back and forth with that. So um, I'm trying to think, what yeah. are some more songs like that? Because I know there's got to be more out there where they, con- when they're, where they're, like, there's that theme where they're, they're conversating. Um, well, some were made into one. Like, they kind of, like, added stuff. Like, um, one example, uh, and you may see the video on, I don't know if it was my Instagram or if our, our show's Instagram Tony Bennett and Lady Gaga. Okay, okay. It don't mean the thing isn't necessarily a duet, but you can make it one. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this is one they had from their album. Uh, they used Goody Goody, and they made it a duet. If it'll play. What's the name of this album again? 
cheek to cheek. Yes, that's okay. So this Lady Gaga like doing ad libs in the back. So I always thought that was interesting that she did an album like this. Yeah. Um, because it, I guess how do I think how do I say this? This didn't. This does not appeal to her core her core audience, her demographic that she that she you know sings to. And I don't think she was given enough credit for doing something like this. Um, not saying that there was a risk, because she's still, you know, she has herself. Like no one's gonna like disown Lady Gaga for doing a traditional jazz record, but like, I'm pretty sure she liked doing it, you know. So. All right. Okay. So, um, yeah. So looking at this record, honestly. Um, what came out in January 2013, they announced that they were, well, it came out in, um, September 2014, they announced that they were going to release it in January 2013. Um, she was recovering from hip surgery, recorded in New York City, um, where they were accompanied by a live band. And I mean, like, honestly, like, if you like that swing era jazz, which I really do, this is, you're gonna like this album. I've, I've listened to it and it's not bad, and it, like, it kind of shows, not only the range of a, as a singer that Lady Gaga has, because in pop music, a lot of people are probably assume that she was not a great singer. Um, it shows not only her range of vocals, but her appreciation for this type of music, which I also I, I thought was kind of cool. Um, with the, with the reason why like I wanted to add that is because like, uh, not only is it a duet album, but, um kind of playing your your singing music that's considered retro mm-hmm. <laughs> and across generations you know uh with having tony bennett and lady gaga like tony bennett said he was the biggest pop star of his time mm-hmm. and uh then you have lady gaga who's the biggest one of the biggest pop stars of her time yeah um doing an album that's probably more in his wheelhouse <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but she's able to hold her own right yeah yeah and um and they got along and i mean it's probably something that she wanted to do and tony Pitt's like well you know any excuse to make a new album mm-hmm. <laughs> you know something trying something different so um yeah it's it's one of those uh odd pairings but i think it worked out really well mm-hmm so guys check out cheek to cheek tony bennett and lady gaga um it's a pretty good uh jazz covers album yeah and they kind of put them they put their own twist on it of course so mm-hmm. um i always like odd pairings like that as well to where it's like surprisingly good yeah yeah um trying to think if there's another one that may have um well i feel like a lot of people don't really yeah. take risks like that mm-hmm. um I'm trying to think now. Um, I know there's one that I can think of that was, I don't know if you call it a duet, but it was uh, Taylor Swift and the Civil Wars. They did a song for the um, Hunger Games soundtrack. Hmm. But it, and it wasn't, I don't think it was done that well because the Civil Wars are just so different from her. <laughs> like she, to me, she's like faux what they're trying to do. 
Like she was like, "Oh, I'm I'm country folk. No, you're pop country, and that's okay. Just own it." You're pop country, and at the, that time, you're kind of moving away from, from the country yeah. part of it. They're more folky than you, and so it just <laughs> sounded very different. Um, but it was just an odd pairing, you know. It's very odd pairing. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, I guess. Well, he didn't really sing. I was going to say Kendrick Lamar and Taylor Swift. He didn't really sing, but he rapped. No, he did that for a check. Um, I guess the surprising one. And and you brought this up before we started recording, um, Kid Rock and Cheryl Crow. Now that is Kid Rock is if people who follow Kid Rock from the beginning, the beginning like early morning stone pimp. He was not, a rapper, <laughs> <laughs> not devil without a cause. Before that, yeah, like watching his you know watching his behind the music where like he DJ he's a DJ parties in his basement yeah and like have back and black going like over a beat and he's rapping like he started out but like he's a he's a he's a genre chameleon like he's gone from he started out as a rock, as a rapper and then like you know with devil without a cause came out he was a rock rapper you know rapping over rock beats but still you could still hear the heavy hip hop influences and then by like I'm trying to think of the next album, but like by his, you know, third, fourth, fifth albums, he's like a rocker, like to where he's like not even rapping anymore. He's straight singing. Um, and then this comes out <laughs> and it's like, what was after devil without a cause was this, was this album cocky cocky. Yeah. And he, you get a country ballad. And of course, like he talks about his country, um, his country influences and, in, um, an American badass. Where he talks about, you know, like he likes George Jones and um, Hank Williams and stuff like that. Like he just started listening to them. He wasn't. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> but like, this was like this. This song bleeds honky tonk. Like this sounds like something you would hear, um, like at a dive bar, like on the outskirts of Nashville at a honky tonk. Like you would hear this song. You could walk into the bar and just see some no name guy named Bob <laughs> with some chick named Cheryl singing this song like that and so like but like country country artists not country artists country fans love this song like there's not a night I can't go to a karaoke in the south and not hear this song being sung funny I've never seen a guy sing it though it's always two women <laughs> I've never seen them get a guy so but yeah this like this was a very surprising song. This is probably like the song I hate the most of his whole career. <laughs> like I listen to this, I'm just like, ugh. Like, like it. It doesn't sound bad, but because, but for me, having started listening to Kid Rock at Devil Without a Cause, yeah, this is a, such a jarring departure. From what he had done before, I agree, and I mean, like, I I kind of hear what you're saying too, where it sounds like he just started listening to them um, when he made this because it wasn't as good. Like, it, it this wasn't as good as like a Waylon Jennings song, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, you're trying to be George Jones, or you're trying to be Kenny Loggins, and you're trying to get her to be your um, Linda Ronstadt or your um, you Kenny Rogers. I say Kenny Loggins did. Yeah. You're Kenny Rogers. I don't think Loggins. Not in this case. <laughs> you're Kenny Rogers, and you're trying to get her to be like, you know, your Trisha Yearwood or your Dolly Parton. But, like, their songs were better. And and on top of that, they were better singers. Let's just be real. Put it out there. K-Rock's not the best singer. No. And this was auto-tuned. There's nothing to be ashamed <laughs> of. But, you know, like, maybe, you know, maybe he should have taken this song and 
giving it to someone else. Like, you know, like this someone else has seen with Cheryl Crow. But I mean, what do I know? It was a hit. So what do I know? Um, I, well, I would consider that an odd pairing. Um, yeah, that's a very odd pairing. Uh, probably a more, I guess, unexpected pairing because I feel like I don't know if fans of Michelle and Deggio Cello have heard Wild Night yeah. with John Mellencamp. That's a that's a very odd pairing, and it worked though. It worked yeah. so well. I'm playing that one for you because it's. I mean, it sounds like something John Mellencamp would do. Mm-hmm. You know, well, it sounds like his '90s work. Yeah, because he started going more so towards the drum machines in the '90s, versus in the in the '80s where it was just you know. Roots Rock. He was trying to be another Bruce Springsteen or another Tom Petty or whatever. Was he was he wasn't in the Traveling Wheelberries, was he? No. Did you hear Bomani Jones comparison of the um of the Traveling Wheelberries to the um to the Warriors? We was talking about <laughs> super teams and how super teams came together and he compared it to super groups and he was like, Well you're like, it depends like how you come together. Like, do you come together like the Traveling Wheelberries or do you come together like <laughs> But yeah, this definitely was like 90s era John Mellencamp um, And of course, I'm pretty sure she played bass on this song Like she I had to be did. playing Even that. in the video, yeah. I think she was playing bass too I'm just, yeah, she had to I mean like that, that bass riff is just Is really pronounced So And of course, as you mentioned before, this was a um, Van Morrison cover I, I never knew that Until like maybe a couple of years ago but it, yeah, just one of one of those unexpected ones because, you know, this is still at a time where, I guess it really wasn't cool for black people to not to do something outside of hip hop and R and B or jazz, um, and they took a song which really is kind of a jazz song. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's a jazz. <laughs> and made a, yeah. yeah, and made a pop rock song out of it. And you know what? And I don't mean to go off topic here. I don't think people realize that he's a jazz artist. Who? Van, Van Morrison. Morrison. Yeah. I think all they hear is "Brown Eyed Girl" and they're like classic rock. Mm-hmm. Like, no, Van Morrison was a jazz singer. No, I mean he had he had some some rock influence. If y'all listen to um, uh, his work with the group Them, yeah, you know that was that was basically like garage mm-hmm. <laughs> garage band music. But um, yeah, with his solo work, yeah. it was yeah he's a jazz artist. So, um, but that is a good yeah. point that you bring up. Like back. When this so this was 1994, um, Michelle who is known as a neo soul, you know, very soul artist. Um, you didn't have a lot of artists like her stepping out of that genre and doing other stuff like that. And this is what I tell a lot of people: musicians are eclectic. Like if you're a musician, you don't listen to just one type of music. You know, yeah. You listen to a whole bunch of different types of music. So for so for her to do that, you know, me looking at like that's not odd to me. Because when you're playing, when you're learning to play, especially if you play an instrument, you listen to other different types of music. You might settle on one style that you want to do, but you're well versed. So it didn't. It doesn't really surprise me, just because as a musician, you just to be a good musician, I feel you got to be well rounded. So for her to step out and do this, she was probably she was probably comfortable doing it. Um, I wanted to ask you about this because we've. We didn't, we didn't. Well, we didn't play Michael Jackson, Paul McCartney. <laughs> we did play Brandy and Monica, uh, and we've mentioned um, Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey. The two female duet, uh, really, there isn't a lot of. Um, well, there's nothing like really bad associated with it. Nothing mm-hmm. weird, 
but with two guys doing a duet. Yeah. I don't know. It just, especially in, I guess it depends on the genre, mm-hmm. but you don't get a lot of that anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, it's kind of like when, you know, we had Aaron uh, talking about like, um, is, if R and B is dying and part of it, we think that guys are not, um, it's not cool for, uh, Arm for male R and B artists to be any kind of vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're definitely not going to have male R and B artists doing songs together. Like, hey man, let's you know, if I'm if I'm Case and you're Joe, yeah. you know, we're not, probably not doing a song together in 2017. So one thing though, because so there was one I heard. It was Chris Brown and Jeremiah, and yeah, I know. And so like. Jeremiah gets embarrassed on the track because he's not a singer, man. He's just, he's one of those auto tune R and B singers. So is Chris Brown, but he Chris Brown can still sing though. And when he sings his verse, it's 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 really obvious. Kendrick pointed this out. Like I'm sitting there listening, and you hear Jeremiah. He tries to do some of the things Chris Brown does, and he can't. <laughs> he just can't. <laughs> and it's just like he's trying hard. He's probably like, like I imagine he probably recorded his verse. Chris Brown did his. He's like, oh no, I got to do mine again. I gotta do mine again. I can I can do what he does. Everybody's just like, you know, he I just imagine hit the button. Click. No, you can't. Click. <laughs> He's like, I don't care. Take two. It's like click. Don't don't try, man. Don't try. Click. <laughs> and he still did it and it was really sad. So I don't know if you've heard have you heard the song before? No. It's is it the Hold You Down from is it on DJ Khaled's album or is it a different one? I don't know. Um So I I just searched their names together. Play it real I might recognize it. Um, let's see on this one. This is... Yeah, well, this is Chris Brown, August Alsina, Jeremiah, and Future. Is it that one? Mm-mm. Um, try I Think of You. Okay. Yeah, this is it. Jeremiah, Chris Brown, and Big Sean... And this is like this was on Jeremiah's album. Yeah, and he got shown up. He just and it's not his fault, you know. He just can't do it. He he ain't Chris Brown. No, no, he's not. Everyone is, you know. None of us. Um, no, I'm not. I'm not going to make a domestic violence joke. I'm going to take the high ground. But yeah, this is him. Yeah, <laughs> Jeremiah's voice is is kind of it's grating on me. So. No. You can tell, like he he was like, I can do what Chris Brown does. No, click. No, you no, can't. You cannot click. No. I'm not even putting that on a song we played. We didn't play it for that long. We'll be all right. Um, <laughs> it was so bad. It's like turn on the auto tune, man. Like you, you need it. You don't want auto tune. You need auto tune, Jeremiah. Um, one one thing I also found that was interesting is that there are certain artists that found that could work with many different types of vocalists of other kinds of vocalists. One that I found was Barbra Streisand. She yeah. has a song with Brian Adams. She has one with Donna Summer. Mm-hmm. She has one with Neil Diamond, you know? Uh, so she's able to work with different voices. Um, I think you could also say that about, um, about Elton John, yeah. about James Ingram. Oh yeah. Um, there was another vocalist that I found. Uh, well, Marvin Gaye, clearly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, so 
why do you think like what do you what do you think of what do you think worked as far as like an artist who's done duets with several other vocalists they're just they're just good singers and they know how to because i mean like of course like marvin gay we'll use him as an example marvin gay can hold his own but marvin gay also knows how to back off when he needs to he knows how to not you know, do what was done on the song that, you know, we just played for two seconds where it's just like, you sing so well, the other person's like, damn, I gotta go back and do mine again. Like he just does, he goes in there, he knows exactly what he needs to do when the chorus comes in and he's got to sing his harmonies. Like if you think of Antna Mountain High Enough and he comes in, of course, you know, uh, Tammy Patel sings the higher harmony, he sings the lower harmony and he doesn't do anything to like overpower what she's doing. He just, he just does his thing. He just sings. And I think with some of those singers, that's just that's what they're good at doing, not hogging the spotlight. But they can when they need to. Like when you listen to like, you know, inner city blues, Marvin Gaye can sing like you can listen. You listen to those things. He did all he did the, the lead vocals. He yeah. did all the background vocals. Like Marvin Gaye can sing. Same thing with Barbara Streisand, who honestly, I've probably underrated as a vocalist. Um, she's a really good singer. Uh, within her own right, not only just singing on tracks with people, but then if you go and listen to like, you know, people who need people, she's a really good singer. Um, when you listen to her stuff from Funny Girl, she's a, I mean, she's a really good singer, but just also she's learned to like, you know, back off when she needs to, which is why. And I mean, I don't know if you're thinking this. That's why I was surprised that, you know, the Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey duet worked. <laughs> yeah, that it even happened. Because you just have two <laughs> That's singers even thought it was a good idea. who aren't used to taking the back seat. <laughs> and you probably had to, you know, convince. Although she did the duet with Boys to Men, One Sweet Day. Everyone's just singing all over that track. Like, no one's holding back. And I mean, it's still a good song, but it's just like, it's not that it's just one of those where they're just like you know all right mariah carey's gonna sing really really crazy and 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 wanya's gonna be right up there with her singing really crazy <laughs> and you know it's just like you know and like and so to take that as an example someone like wanya one sweet day worked broken hearted not so much because he goes in there and he does the one he, he, he kind of yeah he overpowers brandy yeah. And it's not, not his little. fault. He he can. He's kind of like, how you talk about Russell Westbrook doesn't like to pass because no one can stay in front of him. Wanya likes to sing hard because who can keep up with him? <laughs> not a lot of people can keep up with him. He's like, no, you, you keep up with me. And like Brandy's not that type of vocalist. You know, Brandy's more of a little bit subdued. And that's why that one, even though people sing it, it doesn't stand the test of time like a, you know, lift us up where we belong or hell, even something else from the 90s, you know, other duets from the 90s. It just doesn't stand up like that. Uh, what I was going to ask you about, uh, I was like when we were uh, talking about this the other day, as far as the ones that have twins where, where albums were made, there mm -hmm. were duets, albums, yeah. um, uh, Roberta Flack and Donnie Hathaway mm -hmm. have an album. Uh, Marvin Gaye has one with Tammy Terrell and one with Diana Ross. Mm -hmm. Why? Do you think it's a more of a, a money thing or something like that as far as record companies? Like, I don't know if we want a whole album of these two working together. Or do you think it's like artists are like, well, I don't want to split my money with this other person <laughs> kind of thing. Well, that would be difficult. Like, because I mean, yeah, I mean, if you are doing a duet album, a duet's album. Yeah, that's that's more money you, you have to give to the other person. 
Um, and then also, I wouldn't be surprised if some of these songs, you don't always have a person in the mind that you want to sing. Or maybe you do and you, and you can't get them. Um, I think, and the one that I'm most familiar with is Love, Marriage, Divorce. Um, the Babyface and Tony Braxton album. They've had a working relationship for so long that that was yeah. probably a very easy record to make. Um, and she's so used to singing Babyface <laughs> songs. Yeah, he's written so much for her. Yeah, that it was probably a very easy transition. Neither one of them are really in the spotlight anymore. Um, the you know the Katy Perry and John Mayer duet, that'd be weird if they did an entire album together. Because they were both, when that song came out, very popular artists. And I think as far as their... As far as their style of yeah. music, they're in completely different directions. Oh, God, yes. I mean, even if it was Room for Squares, John Mayer and Katy Perry, yeah. it still would have Very been too different. weird. <laughs> like the closest I think he's ever come to her style might be Continuum. Like that might be and only that's because that's like it's a blues, R&B, jazz type album. And that's still a stretch. Yeah. Like she just like they were dating and he was like, you want to get on this track? And it just happened <laughs> to work. But like, you know, like they just I couldn't see that happening because they're two artists at the top of their game right now. Like, I'm not going to do that with you. Like, I can. No, nah, I'm good. At, like, you know, it's just something to do right now. Um, he was dating Taylor Swift, too, in um, Half of My Heart. Yeah, that's what he but she, she was. She was not credited as a featured yeah. artist. <laughs> that's what he do. OK, I see you, John Mayer. Um, but <laughs> just say it. Just say it. But like and that's why I think love, marriage, divorce worked so well just because they were just egos aside they were just two artists that like to work together and I honestly I would like to see either them do another album like that together or some other artists that maybe don't have a lot to lose do that again like do that um one uh one album well not album but uh a couple of things I noticed that uh when making this list man for for one person for one half of this duet, this is their <laughs> their biggest song, okay. probably the only song that people know. And one of those examples is Easy Lover, uh, yeah. Philip Bailey and Phil Collins. Mm -hmm. I mean, everyone knows Philip Bailey from Earth, Wind, and Fire, but as a solo artist, yeah, you really, really, really just know this song. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, do you think it's a? I think it, with it being his first single and his biggest single, do you think? one reason why we don't hear the duets that the kind of the same way is because it's too much of a risk, like for this first single. And I'm working with one of the biggest artists, what we found to be one of the biggest artists of the decade, basically. <laughs> um, and then I'm coming out here. I'm doing, you know, I was working with this really successful group mm -hmm. and now I'm doing my own solo album. Uh, there was a lot of things that factored in with, with someone like Philip Bailey. One, yeah. he has this unique falsetto voice mm -hmm. that's really hard to sell to people. It can mm -hmm. work within a group, but it's really hard to sell as a solo artist. Mm -hmm. um, that's why you don't hear much about Eddie Kendrick's solo stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, um, and in that song, too, um, that's one of those songs where their voices don't necessarily mesh very well. And I don't I don't necessarily think they played off of each other that well. I think it just worked purely on songwriting. Just that was a was, really well-written song. They both gave really, you know, they gave good individual performances. And I think that's what made it work because like when they sing together, when they sing together, like it doesn't really his voice is so high, Phil's is so Phil. Like I just Yeah, like, it's, it's not just, <laughs> like with Phil it's not like 
I want to say like it's not, not technically sound. Yeah, it's not soulful. It's, it's yeah, not rock. That's it's just and that's the it's thing. Phil. Phil Collins doesn't have that soulful of a voice, Mm-mm. but he's so influenced <laughs> by soul, <laughs> by soul music, <laughs> which is odd. But hey, you know, um, I, I feel the same way about Rod Stewart too. Yeah, no, Rod Stewart. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hell, he played in what faces with um, Jeff Beck, who's a jazz guitar. He loves that soul music, and it's like he's—he he said he spent a lot of time trying to sound like Sam Cooke, and he doesn't sound like what? him at all. What? <laughs> Don't tell people that. <laughs> that makes people think that you just—you got a bad ear. <laughs> British people, though, but those British singers love soul, though. Yeah, but like. So I, I I can only imagine like how excited, you know, <laughs> Phil Collins was to do this. It's like Phil Bailey was do a song with me, yeah. <laughs> like, but it's just like each in each performance is you know, and honestly, I, I, it sounds to me like Phil probably played drums on it, and yeah. it also sounds to me like he got um, Mike Rutherford from Genesis to play guitar on it, and I would be surprised if I can't think of the the bass player's name, but like I imagine like Genesis probably played on this. Because like the backing band sounds like '80s Genesis, late '80s Genesis to me. Uh, well, let's see if they have a. Okay, uh, Phil Collins did play drums and keyboards. Daryl Sturmer, who plays for Genesis <laughs> during some of their live shows. Nathan East, um, session musician, founding member of the group Foreplay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. It just, it just sounds like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not surprised. I knew. I figured he played. I don't think Phil Collins likes to let anyone else play drums on anything he does. <laughs> um, if he's recording it, he's like, I got this. Which I mean, I don't blame you. Don't hire a session drummer. We can do it yourself. That's what Prince did. Um, so, but like, yeah. That just so just for me, like, it's the voices don't match. They don't sound the best together. But when they when they actually you know they're giving good individual performances and I think that's that and the songwriting I think is what makes this song. Do you think um, that brings up another um, idea as far as like with you saying like with this song their voices don't necessarily mesh together but mm-hmm. strong songwriting yes um, made it successful. Do you think that? Um, uh, like how 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 important is songwriting? Would you view that as the most important thing, or how important is songwriting as far as when it's going to be a duet? Oh God, it's very important. Well, like in general, it's always important, but I think is very important because um, you got to be able to write, and more so when, in my opinion, when you get into the technical aspect of songwriting, choosing what key you write in. Um, especially if you have a male and a female singing, you want to choose a key that's comfortable enough. That's not too high for the guy, not too low for the female. And so that's when it gets into like, all right, well, I got to make sure I choose a good key. Then I got to make sure that the melodies I write aren't very like it can't go too high, can't go too low. Um, and then it sometimes helps though. If you do have like, if one of the singers is extremely talented because you, you'll have two good singers, but like one that's really talented and might just have a really wide open range, then they can sing all over the track to make it sound um, better than it might have if you just had two mediocre singers or two good but not great singers. You have like the, and it's typically you find this in the female singer. 
um, the female singer the song might start out low enough for her to be comfortable in that register and then the notes aren't too high to where she can just get very melismatic and just be all over the place where for the guy it's just right in a key that he's just comfortable in he doesn't go crazy but he doesn't also it's not too hard to sing either mm. yeah I'm trying to think off the top of my head songs that are like that but like when you get into that like you gotta make sure like the key you choose is very important too low the female can't sing it too high the guy can't sing it um one song, I guess that made me think of it. I was trying to think of a song to where, like, why, hmm, why is this necessarily a duet? Or, mm-hmm. well, not necessarily like why it's a duet, but wow, these two people kind of sound similar mm-hmm. or they're kind of in the same range. Mm-hmm. And that's um, Just Give Me a Reason by Pink and Name mm-hmm. Lewis. So I was thinking like they're so, in the same place. So yeah, um and that makes me think of that one and the Rihanna song cuz Rihanna Rihanna and Pink are two modern singers that are very good for men to di- to duet with because they're comfortable singing in lower registers. So like, I don't know if you're familiar with um What Do You Want From Me by Adam Lambert. That was originally written by Pink. Pink. Yeah. Yeah. Um and you know, Adam Lambert of course has a very huge range. But um, it was written in more of a male range, and Pink's very comfortable singing in male ranges. So, like, that works. And then you have Nate Ruiz. It's almost like opposite, who has a high voice. <laughs> <laughs> so it was almost opposite. But, like, um, that they were very comfortable. They just sounded very comfortable singing in, in each other's, you know, in each other's range. Same thing if you listen to the, the Rihanna and um, the uh, Neo song, Hate That I Love You. You know, Neil has Neil's not the greatest singer. Not to insult him, don't want to get chased down by the Neil fans out there. But like, you know, Rihanna has a bit of a low voice, um, so it's an easy song for them to sing together. You don't have to be as conscious about the key that you write that in um, because of the limitations. I don't want to say the limitations of, of Rihanna's voice. She just sings in lower register. That's all she does. She's not a technical singer, and neither is Neil. But she's just comfortable lower lower um, octaves. Um, lower registers and so is pink as evidence right here like she doesn't you know men can sing her songs you know comfortably I might add so and it just worked here yeah um we have a we'll have a playlist <laughs> the lost art of the duet on Spotify yeah Nate's voice is pretty high though yeah yeah <laughs> It's like he could sing that part. They yeah. could have just switched, you know, let and me sing the me, I never, <laughs> I don't, I don't necessarily care for him outside of fun. I feel like that band is perfect for his voice. Like when he does other stuff, I'm like, you sound weird. Like he what just, about the format. Remember that? I do remember the format. <laughs> I, they sounded weird too. <laughs> I don't even know what to classify them as the format. And I, yeah, I totally, well, that was a Matt Lewis group right there. <laughs> Matt Lewis. Shout and, out to Matt Lewis. Because of that, I thought they were a Christian band. Because they listened to them. I just assumed that anything they listened to was a Christian band. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and there was, uh, you know, some, and I, one thing, uh, one last thing we could touch on is some of the duets that you may have seen or listened to, to where you feel like there was some kind of, there was some kind of marketing push. Oh, I'm sure. It. Yeah. <laughs> Um, like otherwise, why would, uh, I mean, not just like promoting a film, yeah. um, but just to like kind of push the profiles of both artists. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was in a way what was going on with Brandy and Monica, but still like it was ended up being a good song, but I yeah. feel like there was some kind of 
marketing push behind them, probably more for Monica. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so yeah. interesting that you mentioned that because I think, um, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't include it just because I, I feel like he's rapping more than singing, but just dance. Lady Gaga, Colby O'Donis is singing on it, sing rapping. I feel like that was made because at the time, Colby O'Donis was the bigger artist because he had just released that, like, always talk about what you got song and Akon was really pushing him. Akon, of course, is also in Just Dance. And yeah. um, I feel like they're like, well, let's add Colby O'Donis. He's got a hit song right now. Put him in there. Um, and, like, I think that was probably to boost the profile of Lady Gaga, who just left him in the dust. Yeah, like who? Who's Colby Adonis yes. right now? Like half of you probably don't know who he is right now. Wait, that's just a Lady Gaga song. What yeah. are you talking about? It's like the light skinned dude <laughs> who was in the video with the good hair. <laughs> that was Colby Adonis, not the the one who wasn't Akon. That was Colby Adonis, and I was like, that's probably to boost her profile. Um, and so like, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if like there's a lot of songs that are like that. Like, hey. This artist is coming along. Let's feature them on your song. Like, let's have them like, or if you think of, you know, not quite a duet that we talk about, but boosting the profile of Bruno Mars was B.O.B. Mm-hmm. Like, no one really knew who Bruno Mars was. He wrote the hook. As a matter of fact, I believe that was the first Bruno Mars song I ever heard. B.O.B. was, you know, <clears throat> B.O.B. That was the first song I by B.O.B. Yeah. Beautiful yeah. Girls. Bruno Mars singing on it. Of course, you know, Bruno Mars is in the video. Um, and that boosts the profile, you know, it's like, oh, who's this Bruno Mars guy? And of course, Bruno Mars left him in the dust as well. So maybe some of these, they have it backwards. Well, kind of. That that might be another story for another day. <laughs> Bruno Mars kind of left B.O.B. in the dust. But the B.O.B.'s first, well, that album. Yeah. You can't, <laughs> you can't make that album and then try to like. That was the most corporate rap album oh, yes. of all time. So I got he's the got Avengers the magic, Bobby Ray. the magic with, with Rivers Cuomo and and you know beautiful girls. Um, nothing on you. Who else? There was another song on there that was really like that had some. Oh yeah, airplanes with Haley Williams. You go get the hot rock singer at the time. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that was on the that was on the next album. Was it? Airplanes, airplanes was on the next one. No, no, airplanes was on that one. My bad. Airplanes was on that one. Um, I don't mean to spend too much time making fun of B.O.B. But it's a, okay, so he had a no, song. He believes with, the Earth is flat. Make fun of him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, he had a song with Bruno Mars. Had a song with Haley Williams. Had a song with Rivers Cuomo. The remix of Airplanes with Haley Williams and Eminem. So I, without even having listened to it, I'm pretty sure Eminem destroyed him on his own song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think Eminem. I think he gets off on that. <laughs> um, he also has a song with Janelle Monae. And Lupe Fiasco and T.I. But what are the hits were the songs with Bruno Mars, Haley Williams, mm-hmm. Rivers Cuomo. And and then the song Don't Let Me Fall, which was just him. That was still one of those. It's corporate. It was a yeah. corporate album. And then he can't come back and then have a song like Headband. Um, but why? Yeah. <laughs> Or was it still in this bitch? You can't make that song. <laughs> After you make airplanes, no one's going to take you seriously. Like, okay. <laughs> Who was he signed to? Um, Grand H- They let him do this? T.I. let him do this? Oh, my God. Okay. Hey. Yeah. Well, 
it was a um, it was a money grab. T.I. probably saw something or whoever was working with T.I. probably saw something like if we just put some pop, some pop polish on this. Mm. It's like that that dude from, um, you know, the one that sung the Buddy Holly song. What's he doing? (laughs) He did hash pipe and oh no, actually, no, it's more like the guy who was on Beverly Hills. Let's get him. Like, Oh man. Um, but yeah, there's, you, you, you see the, the push for certain artists or trying to, you know, push, a um, up the profile of one of them. And then sometimes it goes the other way. If you're trying to up the profile of Kobe Adonis mm-hmm. by putting him on this Lady Gaga song and it actually flips around to where we don't even know. I don't know what Kobe Adonis looks like. <laughs> this, well, he, to me, he looks like, um, he, he looks like you don't know if he's Hispanic or mixed. And then he's, so got he's, like, he's racially ambiguous. Yes. And then he's got like, he's got really good hair. Like he's got like it's like an Afro type thing, but it's like really good. Like look him up. He's got like I'm actually what's what's he doing now? Like is he still recording? <laughs> yeah, if you look at him like I I cannot tell what he is. Like he could be he could be Latin American, but then he could just be like a white dude with a tan, or he could be you know just he could be mixed. You know. Um, one thing I also. Uh, it was kind of the first of its kind, but it's not, I guess it's not done too much anymore, but using technology to create duets, um, probably the, the first example that probably everybody may think of is Natalie Cole and Nat King Cole. Mm-hmm. Um, that the fact that that was done and it was, it was just seamless. Mm-hmm. And this is before where, um, everyone could do, this through a computer or whatever. Yeah. Now people would be less impressed with it than yeah. they were back then. I mean, I think that's part of why it won album of the year mm-hmm. and song of the year, even though it was a cover <laughs> song, <laughs> it, it won those, all those awards just because it was like, wow, this is amazing. She, she, and it was the sentimental factor as well. She yeah. doing a song with her father who had already passed years before. And this was, it was just seamless as it was as if they were in the studio together. Um, do you think that? I, I guess. Do you think that was just like a novelty thing? I, I mean, I, she'd have to answer that honestly. I mean, for her, it's probably something that she just liked doing. Um, I mean, who wouldn't want to sing with their, you know, who wouldn't want to sing with their parent if their parent's good? I mean, I wouldn't see it as a money grab, but it would really have to be like she knows in her heart of hearts if it was a money grab. The people, you know, the record company that pushed it. But knowing their heart of hearts, if it were a money grab, I would think it was it. one of her last chances, though, at yeah. the time. I wouldn't see it as a money grab, though. For me, I would just kind of see it as like, this is something really cool to do with my father. All right. Um, is that rain? It might be. <laughs> it's been raining on and off today. Yes. <laughs> um, anything else you want to add about the about the power of do it or the or is it a I, I've labeled the <laughs> I've labeled this playlist the lost art of the of the duet before we even um, before this was even being considered for uh, an episode but yeah. do you think it's like a lost art I don't necessarily think it's a lost art but I don't think in the pop music sphere we just don't see it as much um, and when we do see it 
it's you know it's kind of a big deal because you're taking two really big artists and putting them together. Um, I mean, like the Nate Ruiz song and Pink, Nate Ruiz and Pink, Rihanna, Mickey Elko. I think Taylor Swift did one with Boys Like Girls, which she left them in the dust. Um, and then, so you don't really see it in the pop music sphere. Like I was saying before, country music, though, still they're still alive and well. Like, they do them fairly often. Um, and I think, like, there's just that appreciation because of the classic country duets. I think there's more of an appreciation. Pop music is just kind of like, is more of what have you done for me lately? Um, other genres of music, like country music, to a degree, some R&B and rap, they kind of, you know. But I think that with country, with country, while you may still see it um, just without having listened to a lot of them. But I think there's still that um, a lot of the songs about relationships yeah. and communication. Mm-hmm. It's something along those lines with a lot of country songs. Yeah. With R&B. It was like that and a little not. bit, <laughs> but now, you know, if the biggest R&B artist is, well, aside from Bruno Mars, because I think he's still trying to, I, mean, I don't know, I don't know who, who's working with him, though. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's a lack of opportunity <laughs> on yeah. his side. But if another big R&B artist is someone like a Bryson Tiller mm-hmm. or a Chris Brown, and even though Chris Brown will work, well, he'll work with rappers all day, Yeah, but I don't know about other uh, other vocalists. Well, apparently the Jeremiah thing was that. that I, probably wonder, turned off on it. <laughs> I wonder though, like I kind of feel like that was probably one of those, let's boost the profile of somebody or let's bring him in at the last minute. And like the part that you song, he'll sing or vice versa. Like, I don't feel like that was one of those like, Hey man, I'm going to work with you. That was just like, you brought together by circumstances. <laughs> like that's, that's what I got from that one. Yeah. So, um, I think putting putting a song together, having a structure with it, and kind of like um, it's just the 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 process of putting a song together has changed. Mm-hmm. So I think the dynamics of a duet really are those have changed as far as what the song is going to be. Is there a are the artists playing off of each other, or is it just I'll sing a verse, you sing the next one, mm-hmm. and that's it? Where I could have done this by myself, but yeah. you know, yeah. Or, you know, I could have done this by myself, but bring you on the record company to abuse is a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, one thing we have not mentioned are bad duets. Yeah. There's some bad ones out there. Some that just aren't done very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one we listened to right before we played this or we started recording this was um, the infamous What's Up With You. <laughs> What's Up With You. What's Up With You. Eddie Murphy. It's spelled very strangely. Um, um, for those who... Uh, are not familiar. Uh, Eddie Murphy did have a song not called Party All the Time. <laughs> and not Party All the Time Part 2. No. <laughs> uh, and he actually did a song with Michael Jackson. I don't know. I, well, I guess because they were friends. Yeah. But that is the only reason I think this song was being yeah, Michael did him he a looked favor. uncomfortable in the video. <laughs> Michael's like, why am I here? Basically. <laughs> oh, like, they're... And the way that it looks like they're in front of a green screen, like, what yeah, am I supposed to be? What, what's this supposed to be? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that is that is a bad one. Yeah. Uh, there's a reason why Eddie Murphy has not really crossed over into the pop music realm as far as like a big, huge success. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So yeah, I would. Yeah, that's that was pretty bad. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I can't think. I can't think of one that was like super, super terrible. Mm. So I remember there was mm. a duet I used to hate. Avant and Kelly Rowland separated. Mm. I did not like that because that was one of those where it's just like, um, it was just he sings a verse, she sings a verse, and during the chorus they just do these really bad ad libs. And I was just like, this is it's such a boring song. Ugh, I just I could not I couldn't get into it. Yeah. I guess the ones that I I maybe not necessarily enjoy are the ones that are like super sappy. Mm-hmm. Um, like up where we belong, I consider that pretty sappy. It is, yes. Um, I don't know if they've done more than one duet album, but all the ones with the, like anytime Kenny Lattimore and Shantae Moore sing together, <laughs> yes, I understand their husband and wife, but I don't care to hear them sing together. <laughs> like it's uh, maybe I'm too cynical for for that. But <laughs> is that who she was singing at when she said Shantae's got a man? <laughs> what was he the man? Yeah. Probably. <laughs> he was on the phone. Hello? That was- <laughs> That's Kenny calling me right now. <laughs> um, and what's interesting is that, like, uh, uh, to tie this in also with the trying to boost the profile of another artist, mm-hmm. without looking, who are the two with, with who's who saying nobody with Key Sweat? Oh, um, I only know just because I looked her up, but I wouldn't have known before. It's a thing to cage, but I wouldn't know. Yeah. I would. I might have said cut close. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Who's saying make it last forever with Key Sweat? I didn't know someone else did. <laughs> <laughs> Who was it? Speaking of leaving somebody in the dust, uh, someone named Jackie McGee. Lord Jesus. Or it might have been Jackie McGahee. Uh, depends on, on the pronunciation, but I, I don't know who that is. Yeah, left them in the <laughs> dust. <laughs> Um, Cut close. So on two of his biggest songs, he left two people in the dust. So Ed Sheeran didn't get left in the dust. He did the song with um, With with Taylor Taylor Swift. Swift. Someone else did that. Gordon Lightbody or something like that. Yeah, they did a they did a duet on Red and yeah, got left in the dust. Let me see here, because it started playing and I was just like, oh, Hmm. that was uh, yeah. Let's see from Red. And I might have the name wrong. I think it's Gordon Lightbody, though. No, Gary Lightbody of Snow Patrol. Mm. So maybe he was thinking about doing a solo record. Um, but yeah, everything has changed. I think really boosted the profile. He 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 credits a lot of what he did to Taylor Swift, and that's why he was critical, kind of critical of her for taking her stuff off of Spotify because he was like, "Yeah, I got on her song. They realized who I was." And then it came to Spotify, so I get myself. So I like Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, that would do it for our conversation about the duets. Uh said so we have the BTT YHT Lost Art of the Duet playlist on Spotify. Um, you can uh, you can listen to that right now. And uh, we'll get to my earworm of the week. <clears throat> um. This is by, this was a, uh, well, I guess a collaboration album, not really a duet, (laughs) (laughs) collaboration album between Masigo and Medicine. Uh, Their EP is called the Pink Polo EP. Interesting name. (laughs) And uh, they are combining elements of trap music, house music, 
and jazz. Okay. There's a lot of things going on with it, but um, one of the songs that I really like, it's mostly instrumental, <laughs> but there's a little bit of talking on it. But I just, I just like how it, how it sounds, and uh, I'm not sure which one it is because I don't know which, which, uh, who's the producer and who's the vocalist. Um, one of them plays the saxophone. Okay. Okay. So trap music, house music, jazz with a saxophone solo on it. Uh, so this one is called Shut Up and Groove. <laughs> uh, I like I like the day, but I kind of like how, how they get into it. But uh, this is Masigo and Medicine, and we will be right back. Man, let me tell you something right here. I saw me a pretty young gal. Girl was looking like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was looking like, nah, nah, nah. You know what I'm saying? But the, the girl, the girl talked too much. I told it could be all real simple. It's a real simple process, this love thing. That's what I tell, what I tell her right here. I said, you feeling me and I'm feeling you. What we gonna do? Shut up and group. Shut Up and Groove by Masigo and Medicine from the Pink Polo EP. That's funny. I'm sorry. You sound like an old dude just trying to holler at us. <laughs> uh, yeah, just some, <laughs> some old dude like holler at somebody. Holler and holler. Holler, holler, holler. Okay. <laughs> oh, God. I almost, on a side note, I almost added... Um, had you add Sunshine by the Flight Society? <laughs> Not Flight Society, Flight Facilities. Oh, I and Reggie Watts. I that song a lot. That is a really good song. There's a live version of it I'm going to check out when I get home. Of him doing it with like an orchestra. But yeah, to add that in there. It's a good song. All right. Cool. Uh, well, that's going to bring us to the end of the episode. And as we always do, Ben, where can we be found? I want to thank y'all for listening. Um, you can find us first and foremost at 
by the time you hear this, dot com. Mm. Check it out. Blog style website with our episodes and show notes and all that good stuff there. Um, and it's the has the episode embedded from Podomatic, which is one of the places you can find us. Um, you can also find, also find us at facebook.com slash by the time you hear this spelled with Y-O-U. That is the word. If you want to find us on the, uh, the stylish, fancy social media, the Instagram, which is, they've, they've weathered a lot of punches. They've, they're, they're still kicking. Um, you can find us on there at by the time you hear this spelled with the letter U because we're upstanding and we don't play golf. No. No, taking shots, yeah. <laughs> um, and then you can also email us, same spelling, um, at gmail.com. We can be found on Satchel Podcast Player. Uh, we can be found on iTunes, the um, Apple 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 Podcast. Apple Podcast. I don't use it, so I don't know it. Apple Podcast, <laughs> but I use that Google Play. You can find <laughs> us on there. You can find us on CastBox, um, TuneIn Radio. Um, you can find us on, I guess, just now Overcast, which Overcast. sounds like it's just an aggregate website, kind of like a... Castbox, um, is that all? Satchel Podcast. Yeah, you said all. That's all. Okay, that's all. Um, drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. You know, tell us what your favorite duet is. Maybe yeah. you don't like any of the ones. You <laughs> don't like hear. any of ours. <laughs> or maybe you're that person out there that's like, you think what's up with you is good. Tell us why you think it's good. <laughs> like, if you really are like that's that, the greatest song. Like, of all time. Maybe that got you through some hard times. <laughs> you found out what was up with you <laughs> within yourself. <laughs> so tell us that like I was in the gutter. <laughs> I was doing so bad and I was just like, Johnny, what's up with you? <laughs> and I pulled myself out and now I'm the CEO of Family Dollar. <laughs> like, I don't even know if his name's Johnny. Let's see that up. If his name's Johnny, I might write him. <laughs> oh, man. It is not Johnny. Oh, it's not Johnny. Okay. <laughs> no. Um, it's Gary. <laughs> no, Howard. My bad. Yeah. Gary and Howard. Yeah. So, um, what can we end the show with? What's up? What's up? No, I'm kidding. Um, no. I would say end with... Um, I would say end on a mellow note. End with who you love, John Mayer and Katy Perry. That's a really, that's a chill song. Um, who's he dating now? Because if it's a female singer, we're probably gonna get a duet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's look that up. Who is John Mayer dating? Because that's what he does. Natalie Morales. I don't know if she can sing, but if she can, she'll be on the next John Mayer record. I don't know who that is. I've never heard of her. Okay, well, we'll go back to... Oh, she's a... Okay, she's either a journalist or an actress. Oh, she's on Parks and Rec? No. The Middleman? Yeah, whoever this is, she... I don't know. She looks kind of like a... A raccoon eyes version of Rosario Dawson. I don't know. She's about his age, though. Looks like it. She was also on Parks and Rec, which I do not watch. I know you watch, though. Okay, I'll take I'll take your word for it. I don't know if that's the right one. Yeah, there are a couple of different ones out there, yeah. but we'll play "Who You Love" by John Mayer and Katy Perry. 
uh, back to uh, simpler times, way back in 2013. (laughs) 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 So we'll play that and uh, that will end our show. Thank you guys for listening and we'll talk to you soon. Peace. Peace. Should see him when he shines.